Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You are listening to .mil Docs, the Military Health System's official podcast. Today is Thursday, March 25th, 2010, and I'm your host, Russell Carlson. Today we are joined by Dr. James Bender, psychologist at the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. Dr. Bender is here to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury and how both are treated in theater. All right, Dr. Bender, welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Uh, thank you. Good to be here. Great. Um, well, first off, could you just talk briefly about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And right now I work for the Defense Center of Excellence as a subject matter expert in uh, psychological health and traumatic brain injury. Uh, I just got out of the Army after four and a half years where I uh, did several things, but most recently I was the brigade psychologist for the 4th Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division out of Fort Hood, and we spent a year in southern Iraq. Okay. Now, you do do some work with post-traumatic stress disorder. Can you talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and what it is? Sure. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of times called PTSD, is an anxiety disorder. It's a mental illness. And like all anxiety disorders, the prominent feature is anxiety, nervousness, hypervigilance, things like that. Um, Several symptoms for post-traumatic stress disorder Uh, People may suffer from nightmares. Well, first of all, post-traumatic stress disorder, it's a reaction to a very traumatic event, so something like combat, for example, or in the civilian world, victims of rape or kidnapping or other very kind of strong traumatic event where someone may think that their life is in danger and be, you know, have an intense sense of fear or helplessness. And some of the symptoms are... People may have nightmares about the traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Uh, they very often have poor sleep. A lot of times they have what we call hypervigilance. People are constantly on edge, constantly scanning, uh, constantly afraid that danger is right around the corner, even when they're in a, a safe place. People may also have flashbacks. So for something may trigger a memory, for example, for a combat veteran who you know, was exposed to a lot of gunfire. They may be back in the States and hear a car backfire, and that sounds like a gunshot, and for a minute, bam, they think they're back in combat. Mm -hmm. Um, PTSD is a very treatable illness. Uh, The treatments have gotten dramatically better over the past 10 years or so. A therapy called prolonged exposure is generally accepted as being the best type of treatment we have. Prolonged exposure is a type of treatment where someone is gradually acclimated and exposed to a situation that would have recently caused them a lot of fear. For example, a service member might be uh, might get very nervous whenever they hear a gunshot, whenever they hear a gunshot at the rifle range because that reminded them of combat. So what we'll do is we'll, you know, send them off to the rifle range and gradually they get exposed to that and their fear response gradually diminishes. Uh, There's a couple other treatments for PTSD. Uh, Cognitive behavioral therapy is helpful. Some medications can be helpful to aid with anxiety and help people sleep. A lot of new information is being discovered about PTSD. There's a brain, there's a study in the 2010 January issue of uh, 
of a journal called Neural Engineering, and they took brain scans of people with post-traumatic stress disorder, and they discovered that actual parts of the brain can be different in people who suffer from PTSD versus people who don't. Um, another thing I want to mention, you know, PTSD is nothing new. Uh, as far back as ancient Greek, some of the, as far back as ancient Greece, some of the warriors talked about the psychological struggles they had with, you know, warfare. And DECO actually funds a project, DECO being the Defense Center of Excellence, funds right. a project called the Theater of War that features readings of ancient Greek plays where the warriors talked about their psychological struggles. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, oftentimes we talk about PTSD and in the same breath we'll talk about TBI, traumatic brain injury. Um, they're, they're different. Can you talk about what TBI is? Sure. Uh, traumatic brain injury is a pretty general term for any sort of physical brain injury due to an outside source. So a motor vehicle accident where someone gets hit in the head, mm -hmm. a gunshot wound, um, someone getting punched in the head with a fist during a fight. Oh, so this could be anything. This could be anything from you get your bell rung, possibly to even like a, a penetrating wound. Exactly. Okay. All those things. Um, also, you don't even have to have physical contact with an object. A lot of uh, blasts and explosions put forth a tremendous shock wave of air pressure, and that can cause a traumatic brain injury. Sure, that's what they talk about happening in theater all the time. Exactly, and that's, you know, that's a very real phenomenon. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there is a wide range of, of things that can happen with TBR, TBI. Rather. The symptoms uh, depend on the area of injury. Different parts of the brain are responsible for different things. For example, the back part of the brain, called the occipital lobe, is responsible for visual processing. The front part of the brain is responsible for organizing information. So the deficits you see really depend on the part of the brain that's, um, that's affected. And sure. it's uh, most of the time treatment consists of not much more than just resting in place, getting good sleep, treating the particular symptoms that occur, for example, maybe um, headaches, mood problems, things like that. To a large extent, the brain can heal itself. Uh, for a while, people didn't realize that was true, but recent, recent advancements in neuroimaging tell us that, to a large extent, the brain heals itself. And uh, most traumatic brain injuries are mild. We classify traumatic brain injuries as either mild, moderate, or severe, and that generally depends on the amount of time a person is knocked unconscious. If a person has a loss of consciousness for less than five minutes, we classify that as a mild traumatic brain injury. And thankfully, about 90% of TBIs are mild, mm -hmm. and most of the people who sustain them usually recover completely uh, within one to three months. So most of the time, the treatment is just, you know, kind of rest in place, good sleep, that type of thing. Um, some of the more serious traumatic brain injury may require things like surgical intervention to take out any sort of penetration that may have occurred. Uh, there can be a few other complications for a traumatic brain injury. Um, for example, after a traumatic brain injury, every once in a while, uh, there may be a problem with the cerebral spinal fluid flow or the, the brain fluid flow. Uh, it's a disorder called hydrocephalus. That may need to have a neurosurgical intervention. Uh, you know, the prognosis 
obviously depends on the injury. But, again, most traumatic brain injuries are mild, and most of the people get better, you know, really on their own within a few months. We are going to take a quick break for the Dot Docs Health Beat, news and information from the military health system. When we come back, we'll have more with Dr. Bender. Dot Docs Health Beat. Today is Medal of Honor Day in the USA, a day to remember the brave service members throughout history who have received the nation's highest military decoration, the Congressional Medal of Honor. The military health system is recognizing the contribution of those heroes by launching a new section on health.mil dedicated to service members within the MHS who have received the Medal of Honor. Visit health.mil slash Medal of Honor for more information. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University are working with the Marine Corps to research a range of new suspension and retention systems that will improve impact protection for U.S. military combat helmets. Suspension and retention are vital factors affecting a helmet's ability to protect service members from serious injury. Suspension systems, which act as an interior lining, accomplish the task of dissipating energy across the helmet's surface in order to protect the brain from blunt force trauma. The retention, or strap system, cinches the functional element of the helmet to a service member's head. Secretary of Veterans Affairs Eric Shinseki announced last week that the Department of Veterans Affairs is taking steps to make it easier for veterans to obtain disability compensation for certain diseases associated with service in the Persian Gulf War or Afghanistan. Following recommendations by the VA Gulf War Veterans Illnesses Task Force, VA is publishing a proposed regulation in the Federal Register that will establish new presumptions of service connection for nine specific infectious diseases associated with military service in Southwest Asia during the Persian Gulf War or in Afghanistan on or after September 19, 2001. For more information about health problems associated with military service during Operations Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and Enduring Freedom, and related VA programs, go to www.publichealth.va.gov slash exposures slash Gulf War, or go to www.va.gov for information about disability compensation. All these stories and many more are available at health.mil. Log on to stay up to date. This has been your .mil Docs Health Beat. For the Military Health System, I'm Elizabeth McCleary-Kale Lockwood. Welcome back to .mil Docs. Dr. James Bender, psychologist at the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury, is talking with us today about PTSD and TBI. So getting back to men- mental health issues, how are they treated in theater, in, in a war? Okay. What we like to do for um, treating mental health issues in theaters, we use an acronym called BICEPS, and that stands for brevity, immediacy, centrality, expectancy, and simplicity. And that's kind of our overarching philosophy when we use to treat mental health issues in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like brief treatments because, you know, to be honest, the service members aren't in theater for a very long period of time, for a year, although that, that seems pretty long when you're over there. Right. Uh, we like to treat service members immediately. We don't want stuff to fester if the service member is exhibiting symptoms. We like to treat right away. We like to go to the service member. We don't like to ship them back to Kuwait or Longstow or wherever. We'll, we'll go to them. Most of the major and even some of the smaller bases in Iraq and Afghanistan have several mental health assets. Uh, is that like a clinic? Is it, would that be like a mental health? I'm sorry, but would that be like a mental health clinic in the at the base where they are? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, we also expect uh, service members to get better simply because 
most of them do in our past experience. Most, most people who struggle with some mental health issues get better with a little bit of treatment. So the expectancy is they're going to get better and return to duty. Also, we like to use simple interventions, one, because they work, and two, you know, we don't want the mental health issues to just overtake and become such a central part of the service member's, you know, life. Mm -hmm. um, we have lots of assets in theater. We have psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers. You know, we've got a little bit of everything. Uh, we've got lots of therapy modalities. I talked a little bit about prolonged exposure and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, and we've got that. We've got medications. We have support groups. Uh, we have stop smoking groups. A lot of service members decide that uh, being deployed is a time to quit smoking, and, you know, we can help them with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the mental health treatments you see in theater are, you know, can be treated fairly well. Uh, there's a lot of insomnia in theater, as you can imagine, and, uh, sure. you know, we treat that sometimes just simple changes in sleep habits are enough to help that. Um, a lot of times soldiers or service members in general just uh, have a little bit of trouble adjusting to, uh, like, the new stresses of, of being in a combat theater. And, uh, you know, with time, you know, they're just able to get over that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, all of these things that exist in theater now, have, have they always been there? Or how has military mental health diagnosis and treatment changed throughout the years? Uh, we've changed pretty quickly uh, ever since you know the start of GOAT just nine years ago. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of a lot of changing now. Um, there's never been more of an effort by the military to break down and decrease stigma, and part of that is the Deco Real Warriors campaign. And when you talk about stigma, what exactly do you mean? Stigma is kind of the social pressure against receiving mental health treatment or kind of a widespread belief among the military that people who seek mental health treatment are somehow not as strong as other people or treating mental health symptoms will affect adversely affect your, your military career. And it's kind of a, the social pressure mm -hmm. against seeking mental health treatment. And uh, that's gone down a lot. It still exists out there a little bit in pockets, but um, it's gone now. And, you know, part of that reason why it's gone down is um, for is through DECO's Real Warriors campaign effort. Uh, this is a multimedia public education campaign. It's designed to combat the stigma associated with seeking psychological health care and treatment. The campaign also encourages the use of effective psychological health resources among service members and their families, veterans, as well as healthcare professionals. I've seen that, realwarriors.net, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's got something for everybody, for service members, for veterans, for providers. You know, it's got if you're a civilian psychiatrist and you want, you know, some practical information on how to treat mental illness, there's a spot for you there. It also includes stories of uh, service members who sought care and are continuing to maintain successful careers. It's really the norm for service members who seek mental health treatment to go along with their military career really without much of a problem. Sure. 
And I didn't mean to get us uh, going on a tangent about stigma. You were talking about how, how mental health treatment has changed over the years. Did you have anything to add to that? Um, just, you know, the science is getting better all the time, and things that were really kind of a problem 15, 20 years ago, like PTSD, really have gotten a lot more treatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've and DOD has certainly put a lot of uh, resources toward toward discovering new treatments and understanding these problems better, right? Right, exactly. And uh, there are unique strains of multiple deployments, you know, place a lot of pressure on individual service members. That's something that's, you know, kind of unique to the global war on terrorism. You didn't see much of that in Vietnam, Korea, World War II. Sure, and their families. Oh, exactly. You know, a lot of strain all the way around. Sure. Is there a place where service members or families can go to uh, get more information on, on these issues? Sure. Uh, we've got the Defense Center of Excellence has an outreach center, and we'll answer questions from all branches of service, including National Guards and Reserve. Uh, we help veterans, families. As I said before, we also help health care providers, uh, military leaders, and employers of, you know, Reserve and National Guard service members. Um, we've got a toll-free number, 866 966 1020, toll free, or you can uh, send us an email at resources at dcoeoutreach.org. And these are manned by providers, nurses, psychologists, former military people, very knowledgeable, you know, really mental health experts who can help answer and give a very educated, you know, information on mental health issues. Sounds like just what we need. I'll make sure that we echo that uh, phone number and email address at the end of the show. Um, Dr. Bender, thank you so much for joining us today on Don't Mill Docs. Oh, you're welcome, Russell. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And that does it for us this week on Dot Mill Docs. Once again, the toll-free number for the DECO Outreach Center is 866-966-1020. Or you can email the Outreach Center at resources at dcoeoutreach.org. Please visit dcoe.health.mil on the web for more information. Please join us next week when our guest will be Catherine Helmick, who currently serves as the Interim Senior Executive Director for Traumatic Brain Injury at DECO. She's also Director of DECO's TBI Clinical Standards of Care Directorate. That's next week. Until then, see you on Health.mil. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. .mil Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at .milldocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes.